Welcome to Financial R&R, a show dedicated to financial insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Here are your hosts, Ron Boris and Ryan Farnsworth. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Financial R&R podcast. I'm Ron Boris, uh, leader of the Alliant Financial Institutions business, and I'm with my colleague, uh, Ryan Farnsworth, and, and one of our, our featured uh, guests who, who has been a regular on the R&R, David Finns. Thought it'd be a great idea to have David join us uh, today. Uh, David recently participated in the HFM Billion Dollar Leaders Summit. And we know we're, we're really fortunate to have a, a person like David with his level of expertise and experience in the area of cyber and cyber preparedness and cyber incident response and cyber insurance and, and all the things that David's been involved with relative to cyber over the years. So David actually was on a panel and the, the topic of the panel was cyber risk and third-party vendor management. Uh, you are only strong as your weakest link. And uh, isn't, isn't that the, the case, David? So thanks for, uh, thanks for joining Ryan and I this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Ron. Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic event with some real leaders in this space. And uh, I think the takeaway for everyone from the panel is that you know cybersecurity is probably not something that's been top of mind for hedge funds over the years the way it needs to be now. The fact is that vendor management is very important, making sure you understand the security controls that the vendors you utilize have in place and also your contractual obligations and rights you know, under a service agreement with those vendors so that you know what recourse you have if something goes wrong. No, David, we, we appreciate that. I mean, we were a headline sponsor for the event and cyber risk was one that the advisory board said, we need to make sure we have some element of discussion around cyber risk. And you know, we had hundreds of attendees there, over 400 billion of represented AUM in the, in the hedge fund marketplace. And uh, you know, cyber risk has continued to be uh, something that, that the hedge fund industry is, is watching, something that we're all watching, to be frank. And I think that's probably a good transition away from the event and thinking a little bit more about what cyber risk developments we are seeing from a regulatory perspective, there are, there are a significant amount of, of, we'll call it balls in the air when it comes to uh, things we should be thinking about. You know, perhaps it'd be a good idea, David, to talk a little bit about what is happening from a regulatory standpoint. What are some takeaways that all uh, cyber insureds or all firms that face cyber risks should be thinking about? Sure. So one of the developments that we're watching very closely is the rollout of the Federal Trade Commission's final rule around the, the, the safeguards that were first developed under Graham Leach-Bliley back in 2003. Uh, this rule you know, finally brings to fruition the mandate that the FTC had under Graham Leach-Bliley to not only regulate banking institutions, but also non-banking financial institutions uh, like hedge funds. And they are really going to start scrutinizing more closely when this comes into full effect in December. Uh, the information security plans that these funds have in place. You know, there's much more detail we can provide about that than this podcast itself allows time for. But the bottom line is this is going to be an area of stepped up compliance and enforcement action. Additionally, we are looking at the real possibility this year that Congress may pass full-fledged data privacy legislation. There is some bipartisan cooperation afoot and the two key areas of hang up right now are the extent to which 
the federal law will preempt existing state laws and how much state laws will be allowed to still apply. And also whether private parties will have their own right to bring suits, or as they call it, a private right of action versus having this solely within the authority of federal regulators to bring enforcement against companies. And that's not just for financial institutions, but that's across all industries. So the takeaway with all of this is that the federal government is really beginning to lean in more heavily here in the area of data privacy and cybersecurity enforcement than we've seen in the past where this has been largely left to the states. So David, let's talk about that for a minute, right? Because one of the major topics that comes up frequently with our, our hedge fund and alternative asset management clients. As we know, they're, they're very big on paper, but from an infrastructure standpoint, in many cases, they have 100 or less employees. You know, they, they may have an in-house CISO or they may outsource that function, but they're highly reliant on third parties, vendor management. As a matter of fact, one of our clients in the past you know, 45 days reached out to me to make me aware of the fact that their uh, vendor had reported to them that they had a, a significant breach Fortunately, as a result of the breach, the the client didn't incur any losses of any sort, but questions around, do I need to notify my insurance carrier? A lot of our clients have become, I think, largely due to our influence and advice, very diligent and vigilant about engaging with us and uh, the insurance carriers. Because as we know, as our, our leader of legal and claims, Steve Chappelle likes to say early and often, right? Let's talk early and often. You're, you're better having that conversation early to avoid a potential pitfall down the road when it comes to insurance. But maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Because again, that, that seems to be the recurring question that I get frequently from, from these types of, of, of customers. Right. Well, you know, a Supreme Court justice once famously said, he couldn't define obscenity, but he'll know, he knows it when he sees it. And I think that same applies here with respect to claim handling and when it's time to notify your insurer. So when a client has a doubt, always best to call us, explain the circumstances, and let us walk them through the policy so they understand when they have a reporting obligation. Uh, one bright line test for that is if it's beginning to cost you money out of pocket, if you're experiencing lost income due to system downtime, if you are unable to execute on trades, if you have a reporting requirement that you need to comply with, or if you've had to incur extra expenses because there is an outage at your service provider and you need to come up with a workaround. The minute you start having to dip in your own pocket and you're hoping at some point to be made whole for that, you do need to obtain the carrier's consent for those expenditures. And you know that, if nothing else, is a bright line test for me as far as when it's time to notify your carrier. That being said, right, when in doubt, call us and we can walk through it with the client and help them determine whether it's to their benefit to report a matter, even at that point as a precaution. Cyber risk management has become a 24-7 all-year event, right? It's not something that we can just wait for at the renewal. And, and one thing that you know, you and John Loftus and some of the other cyber experts have encouraged all of us to do, including our clients, is to evaluate what you are doing and be prepared for the underwriting process where you'll represent what's happening at your, at your firm. What security initiatives are you undertaking? What are some of the, the things that you're doing, whether it's as simple as the installment of multi-factor authentication or other, other RDP measures? It's 
it's something that we're continually evaluating because if our clients aren't ready for that process, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. That's probably a good transition to talk a little bit about what the market is currently doing with respect to cyber risk and cyber insurance placements. I think the last couple of years have been difficult across the board, pretty much across all coverages. But as we see some easing across coverage lines, such as directors and officers liability, professional liability, et cetera, we have seen a bit of an easing, uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, uh, even if it's ever so slightly, perhaps in other ways from, from cyber insurers. What would you necessarily attribute that to, David? And, and are we seeing any significant claims that we're concerned about? You know, Obviously, a couple of months ago, we were fearing a significant uptick in claims as a result of the Eastern European conflict. What are we seeing from a market and from a claims perspective? Well, and I I wouldn't want to overstate the point, but there are definitely some green shoots here, right? I mean, first of all, a recent report from Fitch Ratings, which I went through and digested, indicated that the majority of both standalone and package underwriters of cyber saw improving loss ratios year over year, right? So that tells me that they're able to write their books through a combination of adjusting pricing and coverage terms and also more stringent underwriting criteria. I would say, if my memory serves me correctly, seven out of the top 10 uh, standalone and eight out of the top 10 package underwriters had loss ratios that were sufficiently low enough that even when you added in their overhead and expenses, their combined ratio, as we insurance geeks like to call it, was still under 100%, very often much lower than that. And so they're able to offer the coverage profitably. Now, that being said, we haven't seen this massive reversal in terms of premium decreases for our clients or whatnot. I think what is happening right now is that the underwriters are trying to stabilize their books and they are looking to the insureds to really partner with them around the security controls that they feel move the needle. You mentioned multi-factor authentication, and that's certainly one that even non you know, cyber geek people are able to understand because if they're working from home, chances are they have to do two-factor authentication to log on to their virtual private network every morning. There are others, endpoint detection, password management, phishing training for employees, privilege access on, on certain domains and servers. So these are things that the underwriters can point to and say, we're not able to offer you terms or we're not able to offer you the same terms that we were last year because we've raised the bar. Now we're going to help you get in touch with service providers that can get these controls in place and make you a better risk. And one of the things about cyber insurance that I think is a real positive is, you know, we're not just selling you the insurance in case the building burns down. We're connecting you with the folks that can put in the sprinkler systems. We're connecting you with the folks that conduct the fire drills, right? We're doing what needs to be done to make the the network safer. And the underwriters very much want to be a part of that. And as risk advisors, as brokers, you know, it's our job to help advise our clients and help them present themselves in the most attractive light that we can to the underwriters. Yeah, that's such an important point, David. You, you know, as we talk all the time, and, and I think there's oftentimes misnomers about the role of an insurance broker, right? Yes, it is our job to go out and procure insurance for our clients that's going to respond in the event of a claim. But you know, at the end of the day, if the if the insurance is responding, something bad happened, right? And and it's no different than how you look at any other aspect of life, right? If if you're putting a homeowner's claim in 
that means something really bad happened to your house. If you're putting in a health insurance claim, and generally speaking, you've done something or something has happened where your health has gone the wrong way. I think we look at cyber the same way, right? In that we, we want our clients to have good cyber hygiene, right? We want to give them access to the resources and the information that is going to help them be a, a very strong cyber risk so that while at the end of the day, they buy the insurance, the insurance is there as a backstop. Right. And I, I can't continue to talk about and emphasize the value that you've brought to our clients in your role since you've joined Alliant. I, I just think uh, whether it's in our financial institutions group or outside of FI, sitting on panels, participating in tabletops, just the, the work that you have done in this area has just been so significant. And, and again, I think is the pure definition of, of helping clients find that more rewarding way to manage risk. Well, I appreciate that, Ron, and I thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the fact is that this is a critical area of risk management right now, and anything that we can do to help our clients manage it better, that's, that, that's part of our role, and I'm happy to be a part of that here. David, it's great to have you as always. I think given the amount of times we're having you on the podcast and speaking about cyber risk, our tagline might change to a more rewarding way to manage cyber risk. Um, but, but we appreciate, appreciate your insight as always, David, and look forward to having you back again. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on, Ryan. Yeah. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about what we're doing in the financial institutions group or Alliant in general, please feel free to visit our website at www.alliant.com. But with that, we'll wrap up today's episode of the financial R&R. Hope everybody stays well and uh, look forward to hearing uh, from us again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.